Welcome to the podcast, Risk Intelligence, with your host, Karen Adamsbaum. She will be sharing her knowledge on common insurance questions, coverage explanations, claim scenarios, and interviews with brokers, clients, and colleagues to discuss various topics in the insurance industry. Welcome to another edition of my podcast called Risk Intelligence. And today I have the founder and CEO of REP, Tom Kowalski. And what REP is, is a digital protection and reputation advisory company. And what they specialize is in managing risk. And you might say to yourself, okay, cyber, it's all the same. I, I know I need protection from those hackers and what have you, but cyber is not all the same. There's different types of hacks. These hackers are getting much more intelligent these days. And if you go back five years ago when the cyber attacks uh, started penetrating our system, they are totally different the way they're penetrating our system today. So Tom, I just wanted to say thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Karen. Really appreciate being on your podcast. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, so to your point, uh, Rep, you know, we, the question we ask is, do you sleep with your front door open? And so therefore, why would you sleep with your digital door open? We're a digital security and reputation advisory firm, and we specialize in managing risk, as you said. We build and implement digital protection programs that preserve assets, whether they're financial assets, digital assets, and of course, your public image, client's public image. Uh, you know, cyber breaches are, they cause reputational harm and financial losses. So we help protect investments, proprietary and personal data, and reputation for individuals, all the way up through small and medium-sized businesses. You know, you say it interesting, why would you sleep with your front door open and you compare that to similar to a, a digital door open and, and you said that uh, in a meeting that I was with you about three months ago and that definitely perked up uh, my ears when you said that because that is the way that you need to explain it to our audience and to your clientele because without that they really can't get a visual of what it means to have cybersecurity in place and somebody of your profession to help them so if you would could you explain like when somebody comes to you um what is it what are some of the key questions that you ask and and portray so you can help them and and let them know that they really need to have this fence around their their profile so to speak yep you, and you said it right putting a fence around your property which is and and these days your digital world right so mm -hmm. rep we really i took a look at this before developing the business and really intersected and brought my 17 years of PR experience, reputational experience into the cybersecurity world to blend both the physical and virtual worlds together, right? And you mentioned this before, you know, the different types of hacks that are sophisticated. You know, these issues are very complex and they're intimidating as well. 
And what we do is we translate uh, these complex cybersecurity issues to a common language for clients and make it easy for them. And you know, we begin with a risk assessment, right? So it involves uh, taking a deep dive and understanding clients' activities, what current uh, you know, technical systems they have, what their you know, work life, their home life balance looks like. All these things are important because we then come up with a risk profile, right? So at that point, we then make the strategic recommendations to develop their cybersecurity awareness program because of the, the, the strong foundation of the cybersecurity framework is awareness, right? If people aren't aware why they're a target or why they're being attacked or you know, what a phishing link is, they might click on it if they're not aware. And so we educate our clients and raise their cyber awareness. Um, but we also specialize, and to your point earlier, in other issues beyond you know, the typical, what somebody might think cybersecurity is. So we go into, of course, the reputational component, but you know, privacy issues, cyberbullying, for example, social media issues, uh, background, private investigations, asset tracing. You know, I lend on my partners through law, law firms, excuse me, and uh, crisis communications firms to make my business much stronger and support my clients. Um, and then, of course, in the event of a breach, crisis mitigation and management expertise, um, bringing it all together. So once you do this risk analysis, I mean, how, how long does a risk analysis take you approximately? That's a great question. And it honestly depends. So no issue is ever the same or no client is ever the same. You know, I support small, medium sized businesses. So that can take anywhere from, you know, up to a few weeks to perform. Or, you know, if you and I are doing a risk assessment, that may take a couple of hours, you know, through a couple of discovery calls. Um, and it's not that complex. So it really depends on the client's activities, whether they might be a high profile uh, individual, a public individual, or whether they're just trying to protect um, themselves, their family. It really depends on the level of involvement. So once you do this risk analysis, you're gonna communicate that to your client. Do you work with their IT folks or do you actually uh, work on the IT uh, infrastructure to make those um, front doors be closed, so to speak? Great question as well. So I work in a number of different ways. I have a technical support team that I go in uh, with and I also work with a client's IT department uh, and help shape up their program. So again, it just depends on whether the, the client actually has an IT department. Uh, sometimes they don't. And so therefore I'll bring in my technical team uh, to help support the client in that way to set up the technical side of things. Uh, my business is focused on, I developed and my expertise is focused on the business side of things. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to understand the technical side of things. And that's part of that risk umbrella, right? And then, of course, lending on my technical partner and bringing them in to uh, make my business that much stronger. And to add to that, um, once that infrastructure is set up, 
there are insurance products that your client could obtain and the premiums for those could be actually lower because you've already done a lot of the fence around the property and such. So in essence, if you think about it, you're going to obtain a client, you're going to review, you're going to either work with their IT firm or bring in your IT partner. And then on top of it, you're going to be able to help them um, not only protect their data and their infrastructure, but also keep their costs down from an insurance perspective, because now their premiums for their cyber and, and technology coverage is going to be lower because they're transferring the risk, so to speak. I mean, would you agree? I would agree. Yes. And you know, being an insurance company, uh, many insurance companies are no longer handing a blank check when you suffer a cyber breach. And whether you're an individual or whether you're a company, that's no longer happening. And, uh, you know, you need to fill out a detailed form in order to, for the insurance company to understand what your cyber hygiene is, if you will. Uh, but that's where I come into play because if you don't have the measures in place, so for example, uh, cyber awareness program where your employees are well aware of the risks that are involved in not only the company, the risks and threats and the impact uh, and working at the company, but then uh, what are the technical systems that are actually protecting the data, right? And so all those things need to be accounted for. Um, and, you know, I like, I, I I use the similarity, if you're a bad driver and have a bad driving record, your policy is gonna be exceptionally high, right? But if you have uh, you know, a safe driving record and you drive a car with uh, you know, a number of safety features, your policy is gonna be lower. Well, the same applies in cybersecurity, right? If you've suffered a significant breach or you don't have the technical uh, you know, um, protections to secure your data and protect your clients and your employees are not educated in cybersecurity, your policy is going to be a lot higher than if you would uh, to deploy those measures. And I like that. I like that. I think that's a really good analogy. You know, as we're here, I'm trying to think of an analogy and the analogy that I thought of was almost um, going to an auto mechanic and saying, listen, look at my car and let me know what's up. All right. And then they look at your car and they say, listen, you know, your catalytic converter is about to go. So let's do this and, and such. But I like your analogy better with the safety uh, driver uh, situation. So let's, let's, uh, go to the, the point where I mentioned in the opening where hackers today are getting a lot smarter. And from me in the insurance industry, I will tell you that five years ago, the types of hacks that the insurance companies and underwriters were covering were, I'll just say seven types of hacks. Now it is almost doubled. And it's because these hackers are getting so much more um, sophisticated in, in finding ways to penetrate your system. And you, 
uh, being in the field that you are, you are knowledgeable with all these types of, of penetrations and such. And this is something that you're going to educate to your clients because this is what I see. And, and I see it from my clients and I also see it from reading is that when TJ Maxx was hacked and Home Depot was hacked, all all that's out there on the publicity is TJ Maxx was hacked and 10,000 credit cards were at breach, all right? But they don't tell you how, all right? They just tell you that the person penetrated and got the credit card information. But now the hows have totally uh, increased. I mean, from, from your, from your um, knowledge, do, do you see that? Do you see any slowdown with that or is just the types of hacking capabilities are increasing by, by the week, so to speak? So, I, you know, you raise a good point and I was just talking about this the other day with uh, someone in the industry in that, uh, you know, they sent me an article on, uh, you know, how to shore up your uh, social media account. And I'm like, what I said to this person was, it doesn't explain how these things happen and it doesn't bring it full picture for folks. And you made an excellent point because I think, you know, the most significant breach in uh, recent times, everybody can recall is the target breach. And when I talk about that and how it happened, people aren't aware of that. They know that it happened, but they aren't aware of how it happened. And I think that's incredibly important to have those discussions, how these things happen, because at the end of the day, um, yes, these attacks are increasing in numbers. Yes, they're increasing in sophistication, but there's always a common denominator between all of these hacks and they rely on human emotions and they take advantage of manipulating others into performing an act to cause the breach. So over 95% of cybersecurity breaches are caused by human behavior. And at the end of the day, the bottom line is human emotion. And so whether you know they're tricking somebody into uh, clicking a link that was marketed towards a get rich quick scheme, or you've won a trip, or you know, I think uh, there was one over the summer that I distinctly remember is you won um, you know, an RV <laughs> that was going around this summer. And you know, it so it relies on on people to get them to click on a link and it's at the end of the day it's human emotion right true now here's the other thing that's also expanding is that most people think well i have my work computer and i have a password and i you know nobody knows my password so i'm safe but it's not just about the work computers and the last laptops it's also about the cell phones i mean for me personally my amount of uh, spam text has increased uh over the last couple months and it's just you know i delete them i'm like oh my goodness i said like, where are they getting my information from and such so it's the mobile devices also would you agree Absolutely. And so I, I'd actually just like to dial it back and start with the work computer, right? And, you know, the, the number one problem, well, it's, it's not a number one problem. It's, it's, it's a common problem is not separating church and state. And so what I mean by that is separating a corporate device from your personal device. And if you're working at a company or you own your own company, 
or you're a leader at a company and you're not doing that, it's, uh, you know, cyber criminals know this and they know that your personal email is connected to your corporate device and that it's very easy to breach the corporate network by sending your personal email that's connected to that device, right? So there's that link. And it's incredibly important to keep those two things separate, right? And in the perfect world, if we had an unlimited budget, we'd have you know, multiple devices for each activity that we perform, say financial, personal activity, social media, so on and so forth, but we don't. But we have to try to separate those two things. And then to your point, mobile devices, yes, that's the, the most common way to cause a cyber breach because we're mobile, we're outside, we're texting in the middle of a crosswalk during busy traffic, we're not paying attention. And that's relying on the human emotion again, which, you know, we're, we're distracted at times. You know, we're, we're in the holiday season right now and the most common uh, time for a cyber breach to occur is right before holiday when employees or, and individuals are distracted or on a holiday when nobody's paying attention. Uh, that's when those things occur. And so we're shifting the cyber awareness to educate those and remind them right before or on holidays that yes, a breach could occur today. Right. And you know, just raising that awareness and having people uh, cognizant that that could happen uh, reduces the risk of a breach. Well, let me ask you this, and, and if you can answer it, that, that'd be great. So are you saying that if I'm at a stop sign and I'm waiting to cross the street and I'm on my phone, that's my, I'm at risk. Like somebody can actually grab my information just by me being on my phone. Is that a possibility? No. So what, what, if you're just at a stop sign, uh, waiting and what I meant by that, perhaps to add a little context, if we're at a busy crosswalk, let's just use times square as a perfect example, because okay. there's a lot going on there. There's people, there are, is traffic, there are signs flashing at you in every different direction. Somebody may be texting you. You may be having a bad day. Put that all together and it's a perfect storm of being distracted, right? And let's just say all of a sudden a social media post came in that had uh, a phishing link in it or you know, some sort of malware uh, embedded in it and you're not paying attention, but it spoke to you. And so let's just say on a billboard, you saw an advertisement right? And that social media post that just came in with malicious uh, content in it happened to be related to the company that you were just looking at and you are interested in it and you clicked on it. Well, now what? If okay. you don't have the proper protections on your phone to prevent you from clicking on that and meaning it's not going to be quarantined, uh, then you could have just caused a breach. And so that's what I mean by being outside, being in a crosswalk, being distracted, uh, that it increases the risk and likelihood of a breach. And thank you for clarifying that, but you are so right because how many times we all, we're all guilty of it. Wait, just one more text. Let me just say, wait, hang on, you know, and then you just want to take mm -hmm. care of that, that one matter because you know that it's going to be resolved and what have you. So I agree with you there. So what I'd like to do is uh, let you know of a situation that happened to me this morning. I received an email and the first name and the last name was of a person that I know. 
And I was like, oh, okay, you know, why are they emailing me? So I opened up the email and then in the body of the email said, hey, did you get my email? Because um, I, I have a special promotion going on. If you buy my backpack only, it's this much. But if you buy my backpack with this information, with this stuff in it, then it's this much. And, and here's the link. And I'm thinking to myself, what perfect timing, because I'm going to be talking to Tom later on and this couldn't have happened at a better time. Now, what did I do? What I do in those situations is, A, first of all, I, I'm not interested in a backpack. So, you know, off you go. But I did a right click on that email and I said, send it to my junk. So then my, my little world of knowing what is going on um, out there in the cyber world is that is going to go to my junk folder. And if that person tries to get me again, it's automatically going to go into my junk folder. Is that basically how it works? Yeah, essentially. And, you know, what's important is uh, I don't always do that. I'll, you know, that's my second step when I receive those types of emails. But I'm always curious what the URL looks like. And I would suggest and implore that anybody do the same, uh, you know, deploy the same measures into their practice because it will get you to understand what, you know, a phony URL or something that doesn't necessarily look like the company that's actually being advertised to you, right? So, um, you know, common is for you to receive an email from a known company that you do business with, right? You might bank with Chase or Bank of America, or you might buy products from Apple. Well, what they typically do, the cyber criminals that is, is steal uh, and lift a logo from say Apple and then send you, uh, you know, similar to what you received this morning, an advertisement, but it's not a legitimate company. It's not from Apple. And a good idea is to check before you put it into junk or spam is to check what that URL or the email address looks like. So you get an idea of what these things look like. And, you know, more common is, um, you know, misspellings or, you know, URLs obviously not associated with the domain. So domain meaning apple.com, right? And this might be a, a series of numbers and characters with at and then, you know, an unrecognizable domain. Uh, and and that's, that's quite common. And so I would, I would suggest to anybody before you click on delete or send it to junk, take a look at the email address or the link that's being sent to you. Don't click on it, but just hover your mouse over it or you know, click on the sender to see what the email address is. And this will get you thinking about the next time that that happens and what to look out for. Excellent, excellent advice. So what I'd like to do now is just um, kind of uh, go into um, the closing because the closing is is just as important as the whole podcast and the reason why I say the closing is because you are an asset your business is an asset and most business owners they have the mindset of well I have my IT guy they're going to take care of it and that's that's great but the IT guy knows the the technology of of how to put the fence up, all right? 
they don't have the training and the experience that you have that comes before that technology because I feel that they need to have that training and, and knowledge of, of what you have before they know what fence to put up. And that's why when we met three months ago, um, I, I saw you and your business as a complete asset and, and doing that, what we're gonna be doing, and this is um, an announcement to our audience and such, but come 2021, what Tom and I are going to be doing, along with an insurance uh, professional uh, on the underwriting and insurance side, is putting together a, a webinar to talk about more about cyber security. There is a lot of information to share. It is, it is growing uh, in leaps and bounds every day. The hackers are becoming much more sophisticated as far as penetrating our system. And it's, it's something that uh, Tom and I feel that it is super important to educate our, our community and our audience. Um, Tom, did you wanna add anything to that? Yeah, I do. I mean, you're absolutely right that, um, you know, a lot of these systems are set up by IT folks. And, you know, they are great. And I say this all the time to clients, look, you are the experts in your field and I'm the expert in my field, let me take the burden off you. And the same could be applied to many IT folks, right? So they're the experts in their field, which is IT, but many don't understand security. And that's where you have to bring in a security individual or a security expert to not only audit the systems that they're building, but to make sure that they align with, if you, you know, you're looking at an enterprise, with every single business unit or an individual making sure that the systems align with the client's activities and their risks. And that's incredibly important. And a lot of IT folks don't do that. And they, you know, you can have the best system in the world and spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on it, but it may not be effective. At the end of the day, if a client doesn't understand what a phishing link looks like and how to identify it and they click on it, all those systems are moot. Right. And, you know, there are great systems that will prevent you from doing so. But to your point and what we talked about earlier, the sophistication is increasing um, and there is always a workaround. There's always a loophole. And so it's incredibly important to bring in a security folk uh, ex expert to understand and examine every layer of the business or every layer of a client's personal activities uh, and make sure that these systems are built to protect them. There's no end all for be all, right? They have to be customized and unique to each client or each business. Excellent. Well, Tom, thank you very much for joining me today. Your, uh, your knowledge is, is priceless as far as I'm concerned. And um, I know that we're gonna be working on this webinar together in 2021 and I'm super excited about that. I'm very excited to work on that. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to delivering some insightful uh, information to our audience. Excellent. Thank you, Tom. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for listening to the podcast, Risk Intelligence. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and connect on LinkedIn by doing a search on Karen Adamsbaugh.